Genesis 50, beginning at verse 15 through verse 21. This is God's holy and infallible word. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And 20 is our key text tonight. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. That's God's word for us tonight. You know, there are certain verses that really stand out in Scripture. Uh, There are many verses that stand out in Scripture when it comes down to it. Uh, We could call these gem texts. They're precious to us. We remember them. And there's one of those gem texts in our reading tonight. Verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. That that, That text, it's a gem. It's precious. It's deep. It's rich. It's beautiful. And... It also happens to summarize, I believe, what God's word is telling us in the life of Joseph. We're in Genesis 50. We first read about Joseph back in Genesis 35, and then his account runs through Genesis 50. That's 15 chapters. That's a lot of verses in Scripture on Joseph. His life is very interesting. It's very exciting. And It's there for us to learn something uh, about God from. It's there to to teach us about how we can live life before God. It's about living life in faith. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. The Joseph narrative, the Joseph stories tell us especially this. They tell us how to live when our circumstances are lousy. These verses, these chapters, tell us how to live when people don't treat us right. These verses show us how to respond when life deals you a bad hand. When life gives you a raw deal. Because it will. Life will. No one has a charmed life in the sense that life brings its struggles. People can treat you badly. You, you may know people. You may, you may look at people around you, um, and it's probably people you don't know very well, and, and you might think they have a charmed life. You might think of so-and-so. Nothing's ever gone wrong for them. But you know what? That's not true. As we've talked about before, every house has its cross. And that's not going to end until heaven. 
And you know what? We're, we're not there yet. We're not in heaven. We're still on a journey. We're in the pilgrimage. What the Joseph stories have for us, though, are three ways to respond when life deals you that bad hand. To keep talking about cards, if this helps you, there are three aces that you have up your sleeve to play in life. Three aces that, in fact, every single child of God has. And that's what I want to take a little bit closer look at tonight. How do you live when life deals you a bad hand? One, first of all, you do this. You play this card. You remain faithful. You remain faithful. You stay faithful and obedient to God no matter where he has put you. This is especially evident in Genesis chapter 39 where we find Joseph in Potiphar's house. Joseph went from actually a pretty charmed life, for a while at least, of being the favorite son of Jacob and getting preferential treatment from his dad and from the family. He went from that sort of charmed life where everything was going his way to his brothers angrily seizing him tossing him in an old well, and then selling him as a slave. It's very hard to imagine that, a, a, a sibling, siblings doing that. But that's what happened to Joseph. He was taken down south to Egypt and sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar was an official, a high official in Pharaoh's court. And Pharaoh was the king and leader of Egypt. So in Genesis 39... All that stuff had happened with Joseph and his brothers. And then we find in that chapter Joseph living in this wretched situation as a slave. From being the the best person, the golden child in his house in Canaan to a slave to someone. But yet he thrives even in this situation. He thrives And it's because he chooses to live still, even here, as God's word calls him to live. And God's word calls us to faithful living wherever God has put us in all areas of our life. And there are a couple big areas of life here that we see faithfulness in Joseph. Even as a slave, Joseph was faithful in his work. We read that he was put in charge in pretty quick order over all of Potiphar's household. Potiphar entrusted Joseph with everything he had. The Bible says that with Joseph in charge, Potiphar didn't have to concern himself with anything. And God's word, in particular the eighth commandment, which says do not steal, calls people to be faithful workers. And Joseph knew that that God called him to that. Faithful employees, we give it 110%. We do not steal time from our employers as believers by slacking off. Christians are called to be the best workers out there. Why? Because we remain faithful. We are called to be faithful wherever God has put us. If there ever was a situation not to be... faithful or to slack off in obedience to God, wouldn't it be this one? Wouldn't it be Joseph's? 
Wouldn't you be tempted to? I'm not even sure we would blame Joseph for being sad and troubled and all down about his situation and as a result kind of doing a halfway job. But he didn't do that. He didn't let his situation impact God's call for him to be faithful in his work. And God calls us to be faithful workers too, whether it's it's me and others on staff here at church, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a salesman, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're a tradesperson. God's word calls us also to be faithful, and we see it very clearly in that chapter, Genesis 39. God's word calls us to be faithful sexually, whether we're married or single. And that's the seventh commandment. In Genesis 39, it's very clear Joseph is faithful that way too. Potiphar's wife wanted to be with him in a way that God says only husbands and wives may be together. Joseph resisted that. Again, in his situation, he could have very easily said, ah, forget it. Why not have a little fun in the midst of my miserable life? But that's not how he responded, did he? He saw that as breaking trust with Potiphar, He saw it as breaking trust with his God and God's call to faithfulness in our relationships. You don't act like a husband and wife when you're not married. And Joseph knew that and he stuck with it. We we see in this call to faithfulness, in this life of faithfulness, that even though you can't control the circumstances you're put in in life, And even though you can't control the way people treat you, like Joseph's brothers treated him, you can control how you live. You can do that. God's word calls us to faithfulness to the Lord in our lives. That is an ace that you, believers, have up your sleeve when life is rough. You can still always be faithful where you are. You can focus on obedient living for him, whatever the circumstance is in your life. There's another, just after chapter 39, another major episode in Joseph's life, and that leads us to another way to respond, another way to live when life seems unfair. And this is a second ace Christians have up their sleeve. What you can do is this. Even when life seems unfair, when it deals you a quote-unquote bad hand, you can proclaim the greatness of God and you can testify to the gospel. You can still do that even in a lousy situation. From being a slave in Potiphar's house, it goes downhill for Joseph. Potiphar's wife is pretty ticked off about being rejected, so she lies about Joseph. She gets Joseph thrown in prison. Could anything worse happen than being a slave? Yeah, you could get thrown in prison. But we find that Joseph stayed faithful there too, just like he was before in Potiphar's house. And pretty quickly, he was put in charge of all the other prisoners, just like he was put in charge of Potiphar's house. This is now chapter 40 of Genesis, if you're you're tracking along a little bit, and What God does there, I think, is another example of how God will bless a child of his 
who is faithful always in every situation he or she is in. And then in prison, we read about this cupbearer and baker. Remember that? They each have a dream the same night. Joseph says, I can help. My God, the God I serve, can interpret dreams. Tell me your dreams. They did. And Joseph interpreted these dreams accurately. One was a dream of blessing. The other was a dream of judgment. And right in that, we see the true gospel and what the true gospel always is. The gospel cuts both ways. To those who believe, it saves. But to those who don't, the gospel is a warning to turn before it's too late. And there's always been people who have tried to suppress or ignore this part of God's word in the gospel, but it's wrong. And in fact, it's wicked, and it will lead people astray. In the gospels, Jesus warns against judgment again and again for those who don't believe in him. That's why God's people, that's why we here at Faith want to bring in the lost. That's why we want to tell them about Jesus. It's because, yeah, they're really lost without him. Any one of us is really, truly lost without Jesus. But there's salvation in him. There's eternal punishment without him. Joseph, even in prison, he hears God's word as it's revealed to him in the meaning of these dreams. And what he does is he boldly and clearly speaks the word of God, the full word of God, the joyful part of it, and the not-so-joyful part of it. But the, the thing is here, he spoke God's truth. And our calling, too, is to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ in whatever situation we're in. In our words, with our deeds, by our lifestyles, in everything we do and say. Even when life treats you bad, you can still do that. You can still focus on that. This continues in chapter 41 when Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And we notice along the way, at every opportunity he has to speak, Joseph is pointing the people around him to the Lord. He says it time and again. You can testify to the greatness of God in your situation. He says, he makes sure they're really clear on this. God can do this, not me. God's the one. I could never do this on my own. Only the God I serve could reveal this. And in our situations, too, we need to point people to the greatness of God. Someone says to you, wow, you sure are talented. What's your response? Your response is praise God. Someone says to you, you sure bring a lot to this organization. You sure mean a lot to this company. What do you say? You say, well, thank you. But I got to tell you, it's only by the grace of God who gives me life and health and every ability I have. I have nothing without him. Your child comes home with a good report card. We report cards recently at Timothy. A good report card. You say, great job, son. But we don't stop there as believers. We go on and we say, 
God sure has blessed you, hasn't he? And isn't it great and fulfilling when we in our lives use his blessings as best we can, just like you're doing in school? Isn't God good to us and isn't it great to live for him? In good times and in hard times too, like Joseph, we can testify to the good news of the gospel of Jesus and like Joseph, we can give God glory in everything, good times and hard. When life deals you a bad hand, there's something else you can do in that situation. Like Joseph did, and he did it for many years. You can wait on the Lord when life deals you a bad hand. You wait on the Lord. You wait for his deliverance. You wait for him to work it out in his way. And Pastor Mike made a, a reference to a personal thing this past week, and I know a bit about that situation. And that's what he testified to this morning. Waited for God, and God came through. The big picture of Joseph's life, you know, and maybe you've noticed this before, I noticed it in a way I didn't notice before with that little word, Joseph wept. That little phrase, sentence, Joseph wept. And that's a clue. There are many other clues. Joseph is what we call a type of Christ. A type of Christ. He foreshadows Jesus. Related to that, we are almost being asked, as we read through the stories of Joseph, to identify Joseph man Joseph with the word of God in these stories. God's word came to Egypt, in a sense, in Joseph. And we saw already God's word, as seen in the life of Joseph, calls us to faithful obedience in every area of life. God's word speaks against sin, like that situation with Potiphar's wife. And God's word prophetically points us to salvation, and the greatness of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God's word in the flesh. And Joseph is pointing us ahead to him. Like Joseph, Jesus was humbled in his life. Joseph went through humiliation he was put in that well. He was sold into slavery. He was put in prison. Jesus, we talk about Jesus' humiliation too. Jesus was humbled by being born into this world, by living a life of pain and suffering all the way to the cross. And then we think, as we're being pointed ahead to Jesus, we think of that humiliation of Jesus and that suffering on the cross and then we think about Joseph, and you think about your life, I think about mine, you think about the raw deals that you've been dealt, the bad hands you've been dealt, and then you look at Jesus, and you have to say, it looks like the worst hand being dealt to someone in the history of the entire world. Jesus, the only one of us innocent of any wrongdoing at all. And we're all sinners. We're all born in sin and we sin. It looks like Jesus 
was dealt the worst hand in all of human history by Pilate, by his own people, by the hands of sinful men. But what did that quote-unquote bad hand turn out to be? What looked like the worst hand in human history turned out to be the greatest thing that the world has ever known or will ever see. Salvation in him. From humiliation, both Joseph and Jesus were exalted and lifted up. God exalted Jesus after that time of humiliation. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's seated now at the right hand of God. He reigns on high. After Joseph successfully interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, we read in Genesis 41 that he was exalted. He was lifted up by Pharaoh. He was put in charge of Egypt, dressed in robes. He became the king's right-hand man. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Without your word, no one in all of Egypt may lift a hand or a foot. We read that Joseph then was given this name, Zaphanath Paniah. Zaphanath Paniah. You know what that Egyptian name means? It means redeemer of the world and preserver of life. He was given a daughter of a priest for a wife. That apparently was a pretty good thing in those days. Because of that, he was accepted into the highest circles. He had two sons. One was Manasseh. Manasseh means God has made me forget all my hardship. The other son was Ephraim. And Ephraim means double fruitfulness. All of that points us to Jesus, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. Joseph was treated unfairly and poorly by his brothers, but Joseph did not try to take care of the situation on his own. He waited on the Lord in his life. He was patient. Joseph knew that God would work it out. I'm sure sitting in that well, he had no idea how any good could ever come of this. I'm sure when he was sitting in that prison, he wondered many a night. But the fact is that he lived in faith and trust. And he knew that God would work things out in his life. God is watching over his children. You can wait on him and trust in him. He's dependable. He's faithful. God's word calls us to wait for his time. Wait for his way. Calm down. When life treats you bad, when someone treats you bad, you don't have to get all in a tither. You don't have to get back at people. You don't have to try to prop yourself up and make yourself look better and more important in, the, in, the, in front of other people. God takes care of his own. All who have suffered will be lifted up. When we belong to Jesus, we will be raised and exalted 
with him too. And in the meantime, remain faithful in every area of your life. Proclaim the greatness of God and the gospel of Jesus in your words, in your actions, and wait on the Lord. Just 